Welcome to chapter three in the little book of addiction. Is the person you care about an alcoholic or addict? We'll start with a quote. This one's from Wallace Stevens, a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. Reality is the beginning, not the end. One out of 10 people who drink alcohol will become addicted to it. The more addictive the drug, crack, methamphetamine, oxycodone, and heroin being among the most addictive, the greater the percentage of users who use it will become addicted to it. Addiction is not about how much or how often a person drinks or uses. It's not about why they drink or use. The fact is, some people are hereditarily predisposed to continue using alcohol and drugs even though doing so destroys their lives. These people are addicts. While we are close to locating the genetic marker for addiction, the exact genome has not yet been discovered. What is known is that addiction is passed from parent to child genetically. Studies done on twins from alcoholic families who were separated at birth have clearly shown this to be an inherited disease. Raised in completely different environments, the subjects almost universally show the same propensity for alcoholism. Look back on your family and see if you can't trace the alcoholism or addiction. If you can't immediately see it, look a little deeper. Look for cases where a grandparent was a known gambler or philanderer, where there have been lost businesses, illnesses such as pancreatitis or cirrhosis, auto accidents, regular trips to hospitals, a stay in an asylum, jail time, hunting accidents, an aunt who sequestered herself and was seldom seen. If addiction is present in your family, looking closely at your family tree will make clear that this disease is passed generation to generation. By learning about addiction and recovery, you are embarking on a path to change this. Future generations will thank you. But how do I know if he or she really is an addict? Finding the answer to this question is as simple or as complicated as one wants to make it. Below is a description of an ASAM, American Society of Addiction Medicine Assessment, 20 self-diagnosis questions provided by Alcoholics Anonymous, as well as two additional methods that are far simpler to use. These four methods can each give the right answer, but the concerned party must realize that the more complicated the chosen method, the more wiggle room there is for the addict or anyone else who would like the problem to be something else, anything else in some cases. Method one, professional assessment. If the person you're concerned about is willing to go see an alcohol and drug counselor and undergo an evaluation, this may definitely be the way to proceed. Ask them if they would go with you to see a counselor because of your issues around drinking. Just taking the emphasis off the addict this much may be enough to get them to agree. An assessment performed by a certified alcohol or drug counselor takes about an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. The counselor will ask questions about the addict's lifelong alcohol and drug use, their medical history, the family's history of addiction, mental health history, their education and employment background, prior treatment if there is any, and whether or not there are any legal problems. Additionally, a urine sample will be collected for a drug screen and, a, and collateral interviews with family members or other involved people, such as employers, will be conducted. The counselor should be able to make a diagnosis within a few days after gathering all the information. Please be aware, many counselors and therapists who profess to be knowledgeable regarding addiction are not. They mistake the symptoms of the disease, fighting, depression, insecurity, anxiety, stress, for the actual problem. This is, in large part, because 
While many helping doctors and mental health professionals have a great deal of training in recognizing and treating and medicating mental, it, mental health issues, they often have little or no practical training in treating addiction. Treatment centers can usually recommend competent outside counselors. Method two, 20 questions. Alcoholics Anonymous publishes a booklet of 20 questions. This simple questionnaire has helped countless thousands come to understand that the problem they're grappling with is something that self-will can't change. A copy is provided below. While honesty may not come the first time an alcoholic or addict answers these questions, it may come the second, third, fourth, or even tenth time they look this list over. Here they are, the Alcoholics Anonymous 20 questions. These are all answered with a simple yes or no. Number one, do you lose time from work due to drinking? Yes or no. Number two, is drinking making your home life unhappy? Number three, do you drink because you're shy with other people? Number four, is your drinking affecting your reputation? Number five, have you ever felt remorse after drinking? Number six, have you ever got into financial difficulties as a result of drinking? Number seven, do you turn to lower companions in an inferior environment when drinking? Number eight, does your drinking make you careless of your family's welfare? Number nine, has your ambition decreased since you started drinking? Number 10, do you crave a drink at a definite time? Number 11, do you want to drink the next morning? Number 12, does drinking cause you to have difficulty sleeping? 13, has your efficiency decreased since drinking? 14. Is drinking jeopardizing your job or business? 15. Drink to escape from worries or trouble? 16. Do you drink alone? 17. Have you ever had a complete loss of memory as a result of drinking? 18. Has your physician ever treated you for drinking? 19. Do you drink to build up your self-confidence? And 20. Have you ever been to a hospital or institution because of drinking? Now, what's your score? If you answered yes to any one of these questions, there's a definite warning that you may be an alcoholic. If you have answered yes to any two, chances are that you are an alcoholic. If you answered yes to three or more, you're definitely an alcoholic. These test questions are used at Johns Hopkins University Hospital, among other institutions, in deciding whether or not a patient is an alcoholic. Here's an excerpt from an AA booklet. The first time I remember seeing the 20 questions pamphlet was in January 1971. I remember the time only because it was the day after I'd read Bill Wilson's obituary in the front page of a small town newspaper. I was drinking a nice bottle of cheap wine while reading the newspaper and wondering why they would put the name and picture of a guy on the front page of a newspaper when he was supposed to be anonymous. Late one night, for some reason, probably because I was intoxicated, I was in a coin-operated laundry. It must have been around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I wasn't doing laundry. Perhaps I was just waiting for the dryers to start. The laundromat was empty. I got up and out of my seat to look around at the dryers, and when I returned to my seat, I noticed that there was a yellow card with the 20 questions on it. Somebody must have snuck in and placed the card on my seat. While they were probably outside laughing at me, I read the little card, and my thoughts were, 
What kind of propaganda is this? Must be some outfit that wants to do away with alcohol. Heck, that would mean that everyone in the world is an alcoholic. Sometimes it's funny how us alcoholics seem to believe that everyone drinks like we do. Over the next few years, I can think, look back and see many instances of how the seed of Alcoholics Anonymous was getting planted inside my head long before I ever got to AA. And, and as I look back over my life, I can see that I was a real alcoholic many years before I ever suspected that I had a problem with alcohol. Dallas B. Method number three, mood and obsession. Is the mood driven slowly by the use or absence of the mood-altering chemical? When addicts feel withdrawal coming on, or they're in withdrawal, they're hell to be around. They're grumpy and agitated, whiny and angry, or worse, when they've been without drink or drug for too long. Second, are they obsessed by finding the substance and opportunities to use it? Schedules and entire days that are planned around long lunches or early happy hours are examples. Another example is demonically trying to contact a drug dealer or showing up hours late for anything that was previously planned. Method number three. One question. Is there use despite consequences? If alcohol or other drugs are causing problems in a person's life, yet they continue to use them, they have a problem. It really is that simple. The chances are off the chart that the person who falls into this category is an alcoholic or an addict. Thank you for listening. There are more podcasts, much more information, and access to help at www.withyouandforyou.com.